0: Hi everyone. I'm your host, Aviva Rumani, and welcome to episode 17 of KindredCast, Liontree's bi-weekly podcast featuring insights and stories from the world of tech, media, and everything in between. Today, we're pleased to present a conversation between Scott O'Neill, the CEO of Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, and Liontree's Alex Michael and Lyle Hayes. In his role, Scott oversees NBA team, the Philadelphia 76ers, the New Jersey Devils hockey team, the Prudential Center and several other properties. Look forward to a wide-ranging conversation with one of the busiest and most innovative people in the sports universe. We begin with our kindred cast quiz question courtesy of Jeremy Adam. Listen to the end to see if you got it right and hear all of the details.
1: Which of the following traditional sports has the largest proportion of viewers ages 18 to 34? A. Football B. Soccer C. Basketball or D. Hockey
0: As a graduate of Villanova with an MBA from Harvard, Scott O'Neill held senior positions with the NBA and Madison Square Garden Sports before taking on his current role. In September of 2017, with the launch of Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, it gave him the opportunity to expand his reach beyond the Sixers and the Devils to incorporate the esports franchise team Dignitas, the Sixers Innovation Lab, and the Grammy Museum Experience at Prudential Center, among others. In this lively conversation, Scott recounts his experience rebuilding the Sixers, the promise of esports, and his adventures in coaching his five-year-old daughter's team. Enjoy.
2: This is Lyle Ayes, head of sports advisory at Tree, along with my colleague Alex Michael, who runs our growth practice. We're very happy to have Scott O'Neill with us today. Scott is the chief executive officer of Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, a recently launched venture owned by Josh Harris and David Blitzer that includes the following marquee assets, the Philadelphia 76ers, the New Jersey Devils, the Prudential Center, Team Dignitas, Crystal Palace, and the Sixers Innovation Lab, among others. Scott is known as one of the most innovative and connected executives in the sports industry today. A graduate of Villanova University and Harvard Business School, Scott is married and the proud father of three daughters. And with that, let's get going here, Scott.
3: First off, thanks for having me, Lyle. (laughs) And Alex, I'm glad to be here. Liontree is a preeminent firm that we watch quite closely in and around all of the major and influential deals in the sports and media space. So I appreciate the time.
2: Always a partnership guy. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And thank you. So Scott, let's start off and talk about Josh Harris and David Blitzer, the owners that you work for. What is it like working for Josh and David
3: It's been fantastic. I have not had the chance to work in and around private equity folks that often and had my fair share of warnings, quite frankly, from people in and around the industry. And everything has been terrific. We're very much aligned on values. They're both wonderful husbands and terrific fathers. They each have five kids. You know, I find having bosses that are the same age with kids the same age has quite a bit of benefits because Josh will be at one of his kids' hockey games or David will be at one of his kids' soccer games or I'll be at one of my kids' basketball games inevitably on the weekends and we're trading calls back and forth. And it's easy, easy and smooth to understand where the other one is. The other advantage in having guys that are at the heart and prime of their careers is they don't want my job. They are not interested in my job and they don't want it. And that's somewhat rare in our business. They're fun jobs to have. haven't been in and around a lot of the owners. Some of them want to do this full time and have retired and they're kind of in that space. These guys are in the heart of a lot of deals. And I'd say thirdly, Uh, And maybe most importantly, is they believe that sports and entertainment is a platform to make the world better. And so we've set up quite a bit of aggressive efforts and time commitments and resources to dedicate what we're doing to help the communities in need. I mean, we're in Camden, we're in Philadelphia, and we're in Newark, New Jersey. Pretty aggressive communities that need some help. And I'd say the fourth and final, and then I'll certainly stop talking, is that we want to grow and create a big company. We're all aligned and that's going to take some doing. We know I first started almost 5 seasons ago. This was the Sixers as a tenant in the Wells Fargo Center. And now you look back and we have a hockey team and we have a soccer team in the EPL. I don't run it, but they have one. We have an innovation lab, we build a new training complex. We have a esports franchise and that's only essentially in the last 2 years we started to grow. So if you look forward 5 years from now as be considering doubling our current asset base. You know, we've got quite a bit of work to do. But we're all aligned in that we think there's tremendous value to be unlocked in and around sports entertainment media. That's great. So we joked a bit in your bio, but you
2: obviously run a lot of assets and it looks like the plan is to at least own a lot more, if not have you run a lot more. What's next for the entity?
3: Good question. We have a pretty aggressive growth plan and targets. You'll see some deals in and around agency space. You'll see some deals in and around real estate, but we have uh, much bigger eyes for adding additional properties. We think that there's still tremendous growth to be had organically through our current properties. It should not surprise anybody listening that there are big things ahead in terms of acquiring other properties. Scott, you once said to me that the sports business is
4: simple. It's three things maybe you remember this maybe you don't or you still I say did. it which is it's suites sponsorships and ticket sales that's it like don't mystify it more than that however that box you still believe in innovation you live it you're well recognized as someone who is on the forefront of innovating in sports you were the first to have an esports team i believe you're the first to have a patch on your jersey and you now have this innovation lab brought to you by be the penta kimball <laughs> kimball kimball office furniture There you go. want to get the plug. So tell me about your thoughts on innovation. Why is this so important? It's a simple business, but you believe in innovating. And how do you make the two reconcile?
3: Sure. So innovation is at the core and kind of the essence of who we are. It is a really simple business. It's not an easy business, but it's a simple business. We've attracted a good amount of talent. So we have what I would argue the most talented group in sports and entertainment. I think the executives are accomplished, smart, successful, and young. I don't know if I'm getting old or they're just getting younger, but it's incredible to look at your organization and you've got probably have a dozen people that will go run major sports properties when they get a little more long in the tooth, if you will. And that's pretty exciting. And also when you have that much talent pent up and energy pent up, they oftentimes are looking to do different things and doing special deals and looking at the world differently. We have people that came from in and around the sports business and we have people that have come from out of the sports business. And so to create an environment where we wake up every day thinking about what if, what if, what if, what if, we have a very much an environment of debate, 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 disagree and commit type. And I think that breeds a lot of new ideas and new opportunities to do things differently. It is not warm and fuzzy. It's much more challenging and supportive. And I think we have the type of culture that provides us opportunities to do things differently. And that's what we get.
2: So you've worked with some remarkable leaders throughout your career, to name a few, David Stern, Adam Silver, as a Philadelphia guy, Joe Banner. What can you tell us about the different leadership styles and what you've taken as your own and and how you lead
3: now that you're leading an organization? Even beyond the ones you mentioned, I mean, I feel like I've had a pretty sh- storied, magical, blessed opportunity to work for incredible leaders. And every time I get the chance to work with David Stern, to see him in crisis, I don't think there's any better teacher of watching, getting to watch up close and personable about how Commissioner Stern handled problems and crisis. You know, I was young, I worked for him when I was 30 years old. And so to see him at the tail end of his career and me kind of just starting to emerge and be able to sit as closely to him and learn as much as possible for quite some time, almost eight years, was quite a gift. But him, like crisis, crisis, crisis management. I think from Adam Silver, it was attention to detail. Everything has to be perfect all the time. You know, he's got a little bit of producer in him, in his background, having run NBA Entertainment. Everything is perfect all the time with him. And the attention to detail is never an accident. When an event is run perfectly, it's never an accident. You go to an all-star game at the NBA, it's different. It's special. It's so different from the other leagues. Everything is taken care of. You got a concierge. Everything is handled online. It feels like you turn around and there's a human arrow with a sign pointing you in the right direction. Every detail is managed. And that's Adam Silver. Joe Banner, who's the former president of the Philadelphia Eagles and a dear friend who I got to work with for me from him. It was about the power of sports and entertainment in driving change in the community. He's actually... One of the founders of City Year, which is an organization that has young people coming out of school and going into serve. It's drive service platforms in major cities. And Joe was always, at least from what I learned from him, it's all about like, how can we leverage this platform to make the world better? So Seth Berger is another guy who founded And One, the sneaker company who uh, works with us now and runs our innovation lab. He's the guy, when he was running And One, I was running Hoops TV for him. And he was always about like, what are those three things that really matter? Hence Alex's remembrance of me saying, this is what's important. This is what I focus on. When I was with Hoops TV, I focused on everything else except what was really critical to the business. And Seth was always focused on what matters most. He's always like, there are three things. You spend 85% of your time on those three things. Any second you spend away from those three things, it's just noise and a waste of time. I've had so many great examples of extraordinary leaders. Those are just four that definitely come to top of mind.
4: We've actually had David Stern on the podcast. He was one of the earlier guests. And a little bit of trivia, we didn't prep you for this, but he named in his 30-plus years of NBA commissioner his most, I guess, important moment. Do you want to take a guess at what? I know you listen to the podcast, but you may have missed that
3: one. I did not listen to that one in particular. I would say maybe Coming Out of the Mouse in the Palace. He said Magic Johnson playing. Oh, that was a great one, yeah. I mean listen, the guy took a league that was essentially in shambles and made it the greatest sports league in the world. His legacy, it's outrageous what Huge. he did. At that time, your career can you imagine? Like, I got to travel with him. Let's go back to the Sixers for a
4: second. America's team. America's team, clearly. They've had a rebuilding process, in quotes. And what's interesting about sports, again, to come back to it's simple but not easy, is winning helps the front office. There's no question. You can sell a lot more tickets if the product is good. That goes for any business, frankly. Your product was okay. It was evolving. However, you staffed into it. You have like 115 salespeople, I think I read, which is quite huge. 98% are millennials. And sales actually increased during that process. I think they were up 30% year over year, something heady. How do you do that? How do you deal, A, with that ability to find growth in the midst of a rebuilding process? And then how do you get millennials to grow in order, which I think a lot of people listening will probably want to learn some secrets
3: about? Sure. So first off, I've been in this business almost 25 years. And having worked for the NBA, I had a really unique perspective. I actually got to see and consult with over 50 sports organizations. So I would go top to bottom, the owner, CEO, president, all the way down to the receptionist to try to figure out other things that we can learn from each other and help translate. And for me, unbelievable education, kind of a PhD in sports, if you will. And I'd never seen this happen before. And by this happen, I mean, when I walked into the Sixers, we had just done what's regarded as one of the worst deals of all time and bringing in Andrew Bonham and he never played a game. And before that, we mortgaged our future, we traded away picks and players. And I think when I got there, um, Sam Hickey was our GM and we had, I think, two first round picks over the next five years. Our best players were Spencer Hawes, Thad Young and uh, Evan Turner. So so not not household names by any means. Um, good players, good veteran players in their own right. Um, and so we didn't have a lot of hope. We went on a pretty aggressive, you can call it a rebuild, if you want it. That's a kind way to say it. But essentially tore the team down with the hope of building the right way and winning a championship or several. And so we had over a four-year span, one of the worst records in the history of the league over four years. And yet our season ticket base went from 3,400, which is when I showed up in August of 12, to this year we have 14,300. Wow. And and that doesn't really happen in this business. Our sponsorship base, which I won't tell you because it was anemically low, actually the lowest in the league at the time, it's up five times in that same span. We definitely have examples, uh, at least the results, that can say there is a way to do it. And I think part of that is certainly the staff and talent I talked about before. Part of it is creating a culture, and part of it is marketing and messaging. You know, I was at the, the Knicks at the MSG with the great Alex Michael when we went through insanity, And I tell people, like, it's not an accident. It's like this trust the process thing. Everyone takes credit for it. It's actually Tony Roten, one of our journeyman point guards, actually said it first. And we and a lot of other people just put the flames to it. It just doesn't just happen, ever. And so I think the combination of us transparently talking to the millennial, the explosion of social media kind of with us as it came through, the moniker, trust the process, which helped kind of capture what we were trying to say. And then a coach who just was incredible in terms of driving message points and living and breathing and trying to build a team in the shape and form of the city, which I think is another interesting component. Philadelphia is a hardcore city. It's not LA. Like we don't need LA's team. LA's team, the Showtime Lakers would have struggled in Philadelphia. So, we were trying to build a team in the likeness of the city for sure. There's a lot of factors that went into that. In terms of the culture, there's nothing like that place. It is built for millennials. They have access, they have opportunity. It's fun, it is challenging. You have opportunity for growth. From a development end, we do more to develop those young kids than any workplace I've ever seen in my life. It's a millennial paradise. It's impressive. Uh, As
2: a Philadelphia fan, I tried to time the bottom when I was going to buy season tickets, and uh, you got there before I thought you would. So, in in sports, lots of lagging fan indicators. You guys really have had some leading, which is impressive. On that front, you have seen a professionalization of sports ownership. And I think 10 years ago, it was a hobby, 20 years ago, it was a pure trophy. Now you're seeing very impressive owners across sports, and they're changing the way that ownership is viewed and what it means. So in that professionalization, you have your innovation lab. You're running it as a true business. You have very impressive and unique partnerships.
3: Josh Harris and David Blitzer, I think, are the prototype or exhibit A of the new professional owners. These are self-made guys who understand value and understand upside and how to invest money and where to invest money. They understand hiring talent and giving them the room, you know, to either make it or not so make it. I'll give you a story that, that's illustrative. It's like, I remember my second week on the job, I come up to New York every Monday and meet with Josh and David on whatever the topic the jour is. And we have a group that prepares a, a deck and a presentation and we walk through whatever the hot topic is to either have them like opine, weigh in, debate, or plan for the future, and so uh, I was up there, and I, I kind of prepared just like I did when I was at Madison Square Garden. It's kind of a daily run through of like, here are the metrics, here's what we're looking at, here are the business results, here's what I anticipate coming on, and the problems. And so I'm I'm going through, and essentially they said, I'll cut through the chase. They're like, what is this stuff? You know, I'm like, well, this is the business. Yeah, that's not. No, that's this isn't us. No, that that's you. I said, okay you know, they're like litigation, financing, new deals. Yes, that's us. Like this operate. No, that's not, we don't want to see this anymore. I said, okay, so then I can just go and make those decisions. And, and other sports organizations, you know, you talk about pricing tickets or a PR strategy, or these are high profile assets that oftentimes the owner is put at the defensive for a lot of decisions that they typically don't make. And so therefore then they start engaging. And uh, it was a really interesting comment and you shouldn't be lost on anyone. It was like, Look, you're the CEO until you're not. So think about that. (laughs) So essentially, like, all right, big shot, you're the CEO. Like, go ahead, make decisions you need to make, run them, know what you have to check on with us, of course, they own the team. And then if it's not working out, like, you won't be here. And it was kind of like, that can either be terrifying or empowering. To me, it was the most empowering, enlightening conversation I've ever had in this business. And so for me, I was like, all right, let's build a great team and let's do great work. Let's go have some fun. And that's what
2: we've done. That's great. Now, as professional owners, how do they define success, financial success, on court and on ice success or some combination of those
3: two? It's definitely a combination. I mean, they're they're inextricably linked. We definitely look at, you know, asset value, TV and then financial performance. But primarily, Josh and David are here to win. They want to win. Now they want to win smart. We wholeheartedly believe as an organization that the last great arbitrage in sports is patience. And so you've seen that exhibited as well. We're all very competitive. We have competitive problems, if anything else. We want to win and win
4: big. So let's talk about competition, but a different type of competition. We've been talking about the Sixers and the Devils. Obviously, we probably get shortchanged a little bit, but obviously another trophy asset. You guys were very early into the esports thing. It's a big thing. A lot of people are talking about it. Just last week, we heard the news. The Yankees are finally getting involved. They were one of the biggest franchises not involved because so many others have jumped into the trend, I'll call it. Why? What do you see for it? How does it fit with your current footprint? Does it have to? Should it? Where's the future? And why are you so excited?
3: We always look for hyper growth opportunities like everyone does, right? And there are very few in sports over the last 10, 12 years. The one that we talk about quite a bit is UFC, which I think the Fertitas did an unbelievable job with Dana White, obviously, being a horse and helping drive the business as well. But that's where you buy a business for two million dollars and sell for four billion there aren't many of those out there but if you have any so ideas I, find let me, me know. one please. yes that's what we do at lion tree <laughs> that's what we that's <laughs> what you do right that's how we um do it. but some of the characteristics of those hyper growth are where there is audience and no business and that's what we saw at esports I, it was actually yeah. david blitzer first off would he correct me i one time i was doing an interview and i said and then i heard adam silver he's like six months after i gave you stuff on which is true so, David Blitzer from Blackstone and my boss, he is ahead of the curve at just about everything he does. It's no surprise that he's such an incredible deal maker for Blackstone, but he is ridiculously smart really well-read, very well-connected. And so about six months before, he started sending me articles on eSports. And then we're at a board meeting, an NBA board meeting, Adam Silver got up, and he's ripping off these ridiculous statistics. And they are ridiculous. It's like, more people watched this World Championships than went to the Game 7 of the World Series and watched our BCS National Championship. Like, they're ridiculous stats. And so it ended up being 40 million people that watched this one um, broadcast. It was actually on Twitch, but we use broadcast just for sport. And we looked at each other and we're like, we have to do this, right? And that's when Josh and David were like, "Let's go do this." And so that, that we went out to the market. And at that point, it was about probably 15 months ago now. It was really unsophisticated, which you think is an advantage, but it's really hard to get to a deal. We had two deals that went down to the wire where we had handshakes and they fell apart, when we started talking about you know the language in the contract. In fact, just one quick story just to illustrate where we were. Like we had 10 things left that were outstanding. So I was on the phone. We tried to keep the lawyers at bay. And, you know just talk principal to principal you guys know how it works and so I was on the phone and, and the guy wanted if he didn't spend all the money on legal fees he wanted to keep want us to give him the money that he could just keep the best part is is I gave on that like that's <laughs> the best part of the story it's like creative deal making right and well you know I took the next three points that were more valuable but like this is not Comcast buying charter let's put yep. that way you yep. know th- these are mom and pop shops with really smart entrepreneurs who this is their shot their one shot and to is do it, it, it changing though in the 15 months it sure has yeah Yeah, no, the whole world's coming. In In some cases, really smart money. In other cases, you know, not so smart money. Just casing. And so, you know, the values have gotten overinflated a tad bit. It's kind of incumbent upon us to actually build a real business out of these. And we're not sure that the team business is where the value is going to be created. We like the team business a lot because we know it, obviously, but also because we think it gives us a seat at the table for the deals that will happen in the ecosystem. And we like the ecosystem a lot. And how would
2: you say that Ownership of that esports team has influenced what is a much longer career in traditional sports and how you approach them and, and how you approach some of these value
3: levers that Alex had mentioned earlier. Has it changed your thinking at all? Look, we got in to build a holding company to invest in eSports. And that day we're like, we need to get in, get a seat at the table, and do a deal. And that's what we did. And we've learned a ton in terms of spending a year in the space. Some of it like painstakingly frustrating, quite frankly. Other times, like we made so many mistakes in a row that you almost like couldn't imagine that we would continue to make more. And then other times, like I would just be filled with optimism and hope and excitement around what is and what could be in that space. I don't think we've just barely scratched the surface in terms of the business, but it is not yet a business that I can
4: promise you. Okay. You mentioned their valuation may be overinflated. Let's go back to the ball and stick world. Rocket self Undervalued. All right. <laughs> Keep That's going. it. It's done. $2.2 $2 for yeah. the Rockets. Yeah. Out of seemingly left field. But yeah, obviously, the Clippers go for two. This is really Lyle's world. But tell us your thoughts on valuations in both leagues, as well as how that connects to the media landscape, because they're obviously connected. Sure. And where you think media rights maybe are sure, going.
3: Sure. I, I still think on the NBA side, look, we've got three transactions over $2 billion. Two without the arena, one with the arena all in major markets. So I think that's a factor. I think what's driving a lot of the value, one is scarcity. This is the global game. And I think the upside in and around the media space, the interest in the game, the way the game translates so well to social media and digital media, the ridiculous superstardom of our players. It seems like the NBA, it just keeps punching out superstar waves after superstar waves. We have a a couple, maybe three on our team as well to add to that litter of constellation of stars, I think the NBA is just beginning. I mean, we have Adam Silver as a, I think, if not the most progressive commissioner in history, you'd be pressed to keep him out of the top one or two or three. I think you've started to see some of the impact of China and some of the growth there. I think India is a, an interesting market. I think Africa is an interesting market. I think South America, you'll start to see that market explode, and so I, I think the appetite for content. It's not going down, it's going up. And I think the NBA is perfectly suited to capture that. And there are only 30 of them. And so if there were 50 of them, it might wane. But at 30, this is the marquee property. And I can tell you, for anybody listening, you walk into that board meeting and there are 30 people you want to be around. And it's interesting because a lot of teams bring two and three people. And so if you take me out, there's usually like 89 that you want to be around. You know, and, and I'd say that that is a room you want to be in. Um, and a room you can do business in. And and I don't know if this is true, and and he's no longer in the league, so I, I can share it, I think. It's rumored that Les Alexander has done billions, B, with a B, billions of deals in China since he owned the Rockets. And he had, of course, Yao Ming, the great Chinese superstar. And so I think that being in this space, it allows access and opportunity that you wouldn't otherwise have. And there are plenty of really wealthy guys in the world, plenty. Just look at the Forbes list. It's littered with NBA owners and NFL owners and NHL owners. But at the end of the day, when you look at that list, you think you don't know them, but you do know the owners of these teams, you know? And so there is some ego appetite of notoriety and that I think is attractive. It's also a characteristic where business people are competitive. And I think this provides a little bit of an avenue for some of that competitiveness in in a good, clean, fun way. I think it's just beginning. And I'd I'd argue that the NHL is really undervalued right now, given the, the sport and where it's going. But the NBA is we're just just starting. So you have
2: thirty now. We know that the Sixers are going to be playing in London against the Celtics coming up, start of the new year. Uh, I doubt that's Go just Sixers. to give them a visit over to Europe. So when, in your view, does thirty move to more than thirty? With London being one area, uh, maybe you could tell us some others that, that you think are are ripe
3: for expansion. You know, somebody asked me once. Um, it was a great question. I was on a panel and the guy said, um, "Okay." You're MBA commissioner for a day. What are you doing? Is that the next job, by the way? You know what I said? I'd fire myself and hire Adam Silver. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, look, there are wonderful markets all around the world. And I think that if you're expanding, just general economics, if you're expanding, you're, you're more likely saying that you're overvalued rather than undervalued, just generally, you know, as, a, as an economic principle. I think we've still got a lot of, of value growth to go. You know Whether he determines whether there should be a, a teams in Europe or a team in Mexico City or, or expands through Asia or China, you could see that happening in the future, maybe. I kind of leave it to him and, and the brain trust he has at the NBA. But boy, um, to, to have 30 teams, that's going to continue to drive the market in the greatest market in the world in the U.S.
4: So let's do some quick hits. Let's live it up. Away. Let's get a little fast here. Go We're going to keep going. All right, slap shots. So there is a book you claim to read every
3: year. Leadership and self-deception.
4: Why? Why is this book so important? It's the building block. I believe, and I don't know if you still do it at the Sixers, but certainly when you were at the Garden, every new employee would read the book. It's something that's carried over here with REA and Tree, in fact. We do. We have credit, that,
3: too. All throughout HBSE. when you start, you have to read the book, and then you have to write a note to me that says how it might impact you at home and how it might impact you at work. That tradition goes. And then you don't get announced to the staff until you actually write that email in. Wow. So there's a little incentive.
4: But why this book? What, what? Give in 10 seconds, what is
3: the book about to you and why is it important? In 10 seconds, the book is about treating people like people and not objects. And it sounds like a really simplistic concept. But too many times in life and in work, we're just focused on our own agenda and moving forward. And, um, and it's one of the few books that can put such a powerful lesson in a business context and helps us grow. Okay. It's common language in our office if you're in the box or you're out of the box.
4: You're not supposed to mention the box. Penalty. <laughs> over,
2: under, three years. Are you taking the over, under, Sixers winning the title?
3: Ooh. Wow. You know, that's, a, that's a good one. I can just give you a couple stats. Michael Jordan didn't make his first finals until his sixth year in the league. LeBron James didn't make his first final until his sixth year in the league. So I think we've got a little bit of time, but I would not be shorting this team. That's for sure. Are you allowed to comment on other teams? No, not without (laughs) risk of fine. So go ahead and shoot. No, I was saying, uh, is
4: it time to break out the Knicks? Is it time to break out the Knicks? Five and four. I'm dating it. Uh, They're cheje. At least the building blocks themselves. There are a lot of New York listeners
3: here. Having grown up a Knicks fan, having worked for the team. I'm rooting for that organization to come out and, and win some games. Porzingis has been outstanding this year. Yes, outstanding. Yes, yes. What's a show you're streaming right now? Do you do, you do the streaming? Do you do the I Netflix? Do or the I do, I, I'm not a big Netflix. Okay. You know, um, actually, Designated Survivor is a show that I'm watching right now, so yeah. I must be getting that from Netflix. Yeah. Or Amazon. There are a lot of ways to stream here. Who's a better coach, Brett Brown or Scott O'Neill? Boy, Brett Brown is such a better coach. Like, I'm more entertaining to watch. That's the key. I remember uh, my five-year-old daughter was playing, and I had instructed the referee to focus on maybe reffing the game instead of coaching my girls because he was telling my girls to back off, and I tell them to attack. And he stopped the game, blew the whistle, and uh, gave me quite a lecture and told me that if I opened my mouth one more time, I'd be personally escorted out of the gym. After the, the... Painful gaze I got from my wife that was enough to literally it was like laser eyes from a cartoon. That cleaned up my act quite a bit. I don't talk to the referees anymore. Yeah. So I just now enjoy the game in a very uplifting way. Brett Brown has been wonderful. I mean, he is embodies this city, has done an incredible job keeping the culture of this team and building the culture of the team from scratch, and sometimes by himself. And it's just been a joy and a privilege to watch him on the sidelines for this last five seasons. So speaking of coaching your
4: daughter's teams, you have three daughters. You coach them all. My oldest one has, she's aged out. She's so aged she, out. Yeah, she, she's aged out. She's not out. playing in college. She's playing in high school. Oh, great. Okay. So Fantastic. There's a quote that you quote. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing.
3: Tell me, why is that important to you? What's it mean? You know, it's like that movie with Billy Crystal. What the heck? Was City that Slickers? City Slickers. When he yeah. said, Curly said, it's the one thing. Right. The one. It's very similar in philosophy Or Brett Brown uses WMI, like on all the tops of all his notepads is WMI. What's most important? What's most important? And um, and it's just like that. It's just a little reminder for everyone to figure out what that main thing is in their life. And it might change and it might be different for you today than it is three years from now. And it might be different for you at work than it is at home. Or with your spouse, or with a good friend, or when coaching a team. But you've got to figure out what that main thing is and make sure that you're putting the emphasis and energy there. What is it for you? Being here with you guys. Oh, beautiful! Thanks so much. Do you listen to podcasts, by the way? I don't too much. I listened to a couple in the car on the ride up here. Yeah, one was on sleep. It was actually fascinating, Hmm. and we need more of it. That's the general. You don't have to listen
2: to it. It wasn't a sleep aid. Uh, Scott, thank you so much. For, let's hope this for, wasn't either. For with us, <laughs> Wow, thank you. <laughs> Congratulations on all your successes. Let's do a deal together. Let's do a deal. Let's buy something. That would be awesome. Thank Thanks, you so God. much. Thanks, Alex.
0: Okay, before we're done, let's see how you did on Jeremy's quiz question. Take it away.
1: Which of the following traditional sports has the largest proportion of viewers ages eighteen to thirty-four? A. Football. B. Soccer. C. Basketball, or D. Hockey? And the answer is B. Soccer. Approximately 45% of soccer viewers in the U.S. are between ages 18 and 34. The average MLS TV viewer is 40, and the average international soccer TV viewer is 39. The most recent MLS TV rights deal, struck in 2014, has an annual average value that is five times higher than the annual average value of the league's prior TV rights deal.
0: I hope you enjoyed our show today. If you want to check out any prior episodes, you can always find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Feel free to leave a review at iTunes as it helps people find the show. You can always follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at KindredCast for behind the scenes photos and info. Keep listening and see you next time.
1: Audiation.